I'm Stephanie Mark, one of the co-founders of Covetour, and welcome to another episode of Checking In With. If you're listening on Apple Music, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Today, we are sitting down with Elizabeth Stein, who is a founder and namesake behind the buzzy natural food company, Purely Elizabeth. Elizabeth started her company in 2008 when she was a holistic nutrition counselor. Her goal was simple provide healthier, better tasting alternatives to what was currently on the market using powerful superfoods. Above all else, Elizabeth wanted delicious recipes so clients could live a happier, healthier lifestyle. Today, the company takes pride in sourcing ingredients based on their superior quality and nutritional benefits. Everything is non-GMO, organic, and made with innovative, nutrient-rich ingredients that make every product taste amazing. Just as a side note here at Covetour, we are major snackers and major fans. There are always open bags and bars of Purely Elizabeth, you know, floating all over. So as personal fans, we are, you know, so excited to have Elizabeth on the podcast with us today. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, it's our pleasure. And in doing these podcasts during this time, the most obvious question and how we start off with is like, how are you? What's, you know, going on? How are you feeling? Any, you know, musings about the last four or five months? Yeah, it's been, you know, such a a roller coaster. Um, I feel incredibly grateful to be in the food space and industry that, you know, is, is really thriving during this time and certainly people relying on our products. Um, so certainly very grateful from that standpoint. And, you know, just like everyone else, I was going crazy in my house, but we optionally reopened our office about three weeks ago. And I live about a mile from our office. So it's just been such a wonderful change of pace coming here and uh, getting to see a couple team members and having some new routines. So I'm walking to the office um, every day, which has been a lovely change. That's amazing. I'm sure it was so nice the first day back to feel somewhat normal. Oh my God. I I wanted to cry. (laughs) It was so nice. I feel that. I mean, we were just talking before this started about you know, I'm wearing a dress and about a couple weeks ago, maybe a little bit more, I was like, I can't do it. I cannot wear, I call them my sad sweatpants. I can't be in my sad sweatpants (laughs) and like leggings. It just, I think at a certain point you need to create some sense of, you know, routine or normalcy or something that at least for me, like pushes you to like get up and brush your hair in the morning and make somewhat of an effort. Definitely. I think it goes, well, first of all, your dress is super cute, but uh, Johnson. Oh, love it. Um, I think it goes to like having that purpose and it's the same thing with even just getting dressed. It's like giving you that greater sense of what you're doing for the day. Of course. Um, And I guess, you know, the best thing is to jump right in. I had read somewhere that you, you know, wrote on a piece of paper in one of your classes start a healthy nutrition or a holistic nutrition company. And I think a lot of people always have thoughts like that and very rarely put it into action. It could seem incredibly daunting. Um, For anyone listening who's thinking of starting their own business, how did you go from that initial 
thought to, you know, putting your first product on a shelf? So it was a very quick time, honestly, from writing that piece of paper and throwing it into the campfire to launch. And I was extremely fortunate. Um, what I originally thought was just going to be this kind of side hustle while I was working with clients, I thought, you know what, I'll start this. It'll just be for friends and family and clients, and we'll see where this goes. So I never wrote a, a business plan. It was kind of just going with it organically. And I was fortunate enough about three weeks into uh, having made the first product that I got incredible press from Daily Candy back in the day. And they had sent out their email blast and I had about $10,000 of orders in three hours. And were and you making so, it, oh, sorry, were you making, no, it at no. your, were you making it at your house? Yes. I mean, That's at amazing. that point, then I had to use a commercial kitchen because I was like, this is legit now. But and you were certainly And you were in ready. New York. I was in New York. So I'm from Philadelphia. And, um, at, you know, at the time, A, it's hard enough to find a commercial kitchen and getting all those pieces together. But on top of that, we were an allergen, you know, gluten-free product. So it was even that much more difficult. So I ended up finding a commercial kitchen in Philadelphia. Uh, my mom is there and she had a couple of friends and I had a friend who weren't working. So I was like, okay, this is great. We have free labor. And I would drive back and forth from uh, New York to Philly and work in the commercial kitchen, fill my car up with product and bring it up to my apartment and ship it out of my apartment on the Upper West Side. Oh my God, which is amazing, which I, you know, I'm sure it's a common knowledge. New York apartments are not known for their space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... That's yes, definitely a real hustle. And, you know, from there, how did you go about, you know, scaling and starting to sell in um, retail stores? So for the first year, you know, I had a little bit of a, a customer base from this online and it kind of snowballed from there. You know, other press outlets were reaching out. It was like we got an inquiry from Food and Wine and Oprah. And so there was definitely a snowball effect. Um, but I really felt like in order to move forward, I needed to not be in that commercial kitchen. You know, there was no way to really scale the business and do both. And so it took me about a year to find a co-packer um, who was able to produce the product to make small enough runs. And, and then at that point, when that was set in, in stone, then I felt like I could start to go out and really sell. But in that first year, you know, I was selling to a couple of just local New York um, small stores like Lifetime Market and all those little natural, great natural food stores in the city. So good. Oh, my God. I just <laughs> had a very big, you know, sort of hang of nostalgia for that. Um, so your granola and granola bars are, you know, I think your first and perhaps your most well-known products, but you've also expanded um, you know, into everything from pancake mix and there's body scrubs. And do you have plans to, you know, continue to grow your body of products? And what is your philosophy when it comes to choosing the categories that you are going to expand into? Great question. So definitely from the beginning, I always so I actually started with muffin and pancake mixes was my first product. Okay, nice. I believe and, I knew that actually. And then it was the granola. And I definitely always envisioned 
creating this greater health and wellness brand. It wasn't necessarily like, I want to be a breakfast company or something so pigeonholed. And so how I really looked at it was like, what are the categories that feel like there's white space that need innovation from really a nutritional standpoint? So looking at oatmeal, for example, it's like the same boring oatmeal with, you know, one company who's been making oatmeal forever. And how could we bring our nutritional twist and really looking at it like how can we de-junk and elevate the category and, and or elevate and what made you decide to get into more you know body care yeah because that one's a little out there <laughs> no I I it makes sense to me you know reading about you and seeing your commitment to I think a healthy lifestyle and that includes your sleep and your meditation and how you're taking care of yourself, it makes sense. But I'm just curious as to how that was the, you know, first topic, first. Um, yeah. So first I've, I've always been a product junkie. One of my very first jobs actually out of college, I worked for a holding company that had Erno Laszlo and some other um, brands. So I think that was like in my background, but we, I was actually visiting our coconut sugar supplier in Bali uh, about a year and a half ago. And anecdotally, the woman who runs the facility was talking about how women there use coconut sugar um, as an exfoliator for their body. And like the light bulb went off and just knowing certainly back to kind of that holistic view where our skin is our biggest organ and what we put onto it is incredibly important just like what we're putting into our mouths and so the idea of being able to offer an organic um, coconut sugar body scrub just seems like the perfect fit and your products are you know non-gmo gluten-free soy-free organic and vegan and i think now that seems you know, very standard. And I think people would say like, how come it's not GMO free? But 10 years ago, it was definitely completely different. And you also look to ingredients like you were saying coconut oil, MCT oil, coconut sugar. A, how do you, you know, sort of source all of those things, but also how do you make choices around what goes into your products and what you are focusing on? I feel like, especially now there are so many adaptogens and superfoods and, you know, different sort of things that people are or aren't looking for in their food. And how do you not sort of get bogged down with all of that? And how do you, you know, make those types of decisions? It's, it's definitely tricky. I would say that I really try to go back to like what I learned in my nutrition program and what I continue to learn by following, you know, integrative physicians of like, what is true nutrition? There's so many things that are a fad, but ultimately I think like the top integrative physicians can all agree on, okay, this is the true basis of health. And so I kind of always try to come back to that. Um, one of the tricky things I think that we have found is being first to market in a lot of the ingredients that we've used. I mean, back to your point, like 10 years ago, we were one of the first using coconut oil and chia seeds. I remember being at our first trade show nine years ago and like explaining to buyers what chia seeds were. That's um, insane. 
And so it's really a, a risk, I guess, that like any other, you know, thing else of what the consumer base is going or how quickly the consumer base is going to adapt to something. So we've certainly had products on the market where like the consumer, we were just a little too ahead of the time and we've discontinued those, um, which has been hard because it's like, you know, I, I think of all of our products as like our, my baby and it's something I believe in, but it's, it's learning to be patient and also like pulling it if it's not working right away too. Yeah. And I think that's a good lesson for people to learn. I think, especially with the way, you know, companies and founders are portrayed in the media, you never hear about people's mistakes or that something might've not worked out and then they had to pivot into something else. So, you know, similarly for us, and I'm sure it's the same for you, it's easy to test what your, you know, in your case, consumers or in our case, readers like or don't like. And even if we put a ton of time and effort into a series and we think it's like the best thing ever and everyone will love to watch, sometimes it's just not. And, you know, I think there is, you know, a lesson in just realizing something doesn't work and being able to, you know, just move on. For sure. It's definitely something that we're trying to get better at being like faster of making that decision, you know? We, yes. It's a very hard decision to make. I will say, cause what you said, as much as you say, it's not personal, it is disappointing. <laughs> so yes, yeah. it is like a very, you're like, this feels insulting to me as a person. So no, I completely get it. And, you know, on a similar note of what we were talking about, you know, we were saying 10 years ago, your market would have been, you know, a lot smaller and, I don't think, you know, raw virgin coconut oil would have been in mainstream <laughs> conversation. These days, you know, it's completely different. Wellness has become so mainstream. Um, where do you think that will, you know, wellness will be in 10 years from now? And what's it been like watching this shift over the past decade? I mean, it's certainly been wild to your point when I started. It, while I threw in the campfire, it said I wanted to have a nationally known natural food company. At the same time, in my heart, I felt like we were going to be kind of just like the raw food movement. Because at the time, raw that was like raw food's heyday. And I thought, you know what, we'll be like raw food, but we're in this small section of the natural food store. And it certainly wouldn't have been something that, you know, today we're in Walmart and it's like widely accepted. Um but as far as 10 years from now, you know, I think hopefully one of the silver linings of COVID is we'll come out of it really being wellness 2.0 and understanding that food truly is medicine, that what we put into our body has far greater impact than just like our weight or these, you know, minimal trivial things where it's actually like your true health and how you feel and you know, whether you're living or not. So I, I think it's just going to continue to get hopefully more mainstream and people really wanting functionality in their foods, whether it's from like an immunity standpoint or um, something of that nature. And I mean, this is a little bit of a rewind question, but how did you, you know, sort of end up in you know, sort of integrative and holistic nutrition, you know, just speaking with you now and, you know, you've been mentioning raw foods and things that were at the time when you started just so, I think, 
niche and, you know, unheard of. How did your, you know, journey even lead you to throwing that piece of paper in the campfire to begin with? <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you know, was working in New York in my early 20s and I met my boyfriend at the time who is a big triathlete mm-hmm. and like super into fitness. I wouldn't say all around health and wellness, but really the aspect of endurance and so much of that being mental. And I was always, you know, a relatively healthy eater and, you know, worked out, but nothing to this extreme. And I hated running. Like I would hide in the woods um, during lacrosse practice in high school because I didn't want to run like the mile that we had to run. I too detest running, even though I feel like you might say (laughs) your opinion has changed. Mine has not. No, mine hasn't changed either. Mine literally changed. Yes. (laughs) Totally. So he convinced me to do a marathon and to do triathlons. It was very much like so much of this isn't even the physical training, but it's the mental part of it. And so I just started to get super interested in health and wellness from that holistic view of it. It wasn't just like going out and running, but how you were feeding yourself and the mental part. And at that point, I I found um, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which was the program that I did and just completely fell in love with everything about it. And what does, you know, your diet look like today? Is it vegan, grain-free, dairy-free? I don't like any labels. So I- I like that. Just, I'm just an 80-20 sometimes, probably right now during COVID, more like 70-30 type of a vibe. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's funny because in nutrition school, you went through every module and they would say, like, go raw for a month and see how you feel. And I never did any of those experiments <laughs> because I just always felt like I hate the idea of putting a label on yourself and having this restriction. And it just didn't feel like the right, like, overall wellness approach. And so that's, you know, what I do today. I certainly you know, emphasize plants and don't have an abundance of meat and limit inflammatory foods. But it's also like, if I want a pizza on a Sunday night, I'm going to have a pizza. Amen. (laughs) Yes, I can definitely relate. It's so funny. Sometimes, you know, I have a friend who's so great and she's in shape and she eats so healthy, but you know, her 20, she always will be like, everyone thinks I'm a bad person because I will have dairy or, you know, I think people once they find a label, they're so, people feel like they really can't go outside of those lanes. Yeah. So, you know, it's nice to hear, you know, sort of what, you know, whatever works for you. And in the other aspects of your life, you know, I saw you guys have your um, pyramid or your four, you know, pillars. It would be great if you could walk us through that and maybe, you know, sort of what each of those look like for you. Yeah, so it's funny because this was something that I always kind of had in my head, but it wasn't until about a year and a half ago, really articulated it out loud and we changed our packaging to reflect that. So we thought of it as, you know, our purpose as a brand is to help you thrive on your wellness journey. And that was really became my purpose as a nutrition counselor. And like, this was the way to amplify it to that many more people is through, you know, the food that we're providing, but thinking about those pillars first at the base. So really starting with the foundation of you are what you eat and like, you can't 
continue on that wellness journey without first starting with the foundation of food. Food changes everything. So you are what you eat and following that 80-20 rule, which is, you know, mostly plant-based and limiting um, inflammatory foods. And then um, from there on the pyramid, it's really looking at um, allowing yourself to like indulge like I said, guilt-free and having that freedom. And then realizing that like food, that food is not the only thing that affects our health. So understanding that it's what we call in the school that I went to is like the circle of life. So it's your work environment, um, your relationships, the activities that you're doing, all of those things really coming together when we talk about health and wellness. And then the last thing on the pyramid is um, the idea of constantly evolving and growing and and thriving as a person. And, you know, now with people being a lot more limited, how are you, you know, I found it really hard. The other day I was like, man, I feel like I put on a little this coronavirus weight, but I'm eating healthy. And my husband was like, yeah, we're literally not moving. Everyone is stuck in the house. Like how, you know, obviously you're in Colorado where it's beautiful, but how is your sort of you know, day-to-day routine changed and what are you doing so you're still able to like hit all of those, you know, goals that you've set for yourself? It's funny because for me, I think I'm working out more so now than the normal world just because I, pre all of this, was on the road so much for work and that would sometimes be difficult, but I've gotten, I'm super lucky to be able to go outside and hike and then at home, I've been just testing out different workout apps that I would probably never have adventured and done. So I think that that's been a really great positive. I've been doing um, Sculpt Society and the class. Both of those have been awesome. Um, I think the the biggest, I guess the hardest part up to now has really been like the relationship side where, you know, not being able to hang out with family and friends and have that piece of it has been, you know, the part of the circle of life that's probably been hurting the most. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a huge one for sure. And thank God for FaceTime. For sure. (laughs) I think is, you know, everyone's sort of general um, sentiment. And I have one, you know, last question for you and then we do a rapid fire so what advice would you give young entrepreneurs who want to start their own wellness company and is there anything you wish you had known when you started out I think one of you know how I came to it into the business was very lucky how fast it it happened but I think the lesson from that is really that you don't have to have all your ducks in a row. And I think so many entrepreneurs start out with this idea for a business and it never gets off the ground because they're perfecting their business plan or wanting to get like X, Y, and Z where you just have to kind of jump in and take the risk. And I think that's something like we were just talking about earlier, even with product, like we still continue that to be our backbone where it's like, okay, we got to try this. If we don't try, you don't know. And there's always going to be a lesson from it. No, that's exact same with us. You know, we, when the company started, it's now um, myself and my co-founder, Jake, but there was a third um, co-founder when we started. And it, you know, we always said the same thing. Everyone just kind of 
did it and maybe it started as a passion project, but there was no business plan and no one went to business school. And I think, you know, there are these, there's a rule book, which is like, you need your business plan and you have to have gone to these, you know, yeah, X number of schools. But, you know, there is something to be said for, you know, I always say, if you just do it and start, you're so far ahead of everyone else because most people can't get over, you know, that initial, you know, is it perfect? Is it ready? And I always say now knowing everything I know, if I, I don't even know if I could get another company off the ground because, you know, even if I think about it, it's like, well, what about the accounting and what about, you know, what email server are we going to need? And all of these things that if you just deal with them as they come. Totally. I could not agree more. That's why. And I think that when you say, what advice would you give? Like, I wouldn't change anything of how it started. I think I, being naive works. It is literally, it was, yes, a fool's paradise. I was very happy, <laughs> yes, before. Um, it was definitely ignorance is bliss, but it's also how you learn. You know, I always say no business school could really teach you a fraction of what you really learn once you sort of jump in and do it. Absolutely. Okay, I will jump to our rapid fire questions. Oh, well. What's your favorite working from home snack? Part of my go-to is banana and peanut butter. I'm like such a, a nut butter person. I literally, before this, I was like, I'm hungry. I'm just going to make a rice cake with almond butter. So yes, I can definitely relate. <laughs> um, and what small luxuries are making your days better? Well, I would say at the beginning, it was like getting great sweatpants. <laughs> But now I'm over the sweatpants thing. So I would say any kind of beauty products. I'm doing a lot of Sephora shopping. Which leads me to my next question, which is what's your favorite skincare product? My favorite skincare product is Surya Spa, this place in LA that's an Ayurvedic wow. spa. They have this amazing collagen cream. Oh, wow. Yeah. And going back on a recommendation, what were your favorite sweatpants that you found? I'm tough question, but the Luna sweatpants have been like a real luxury and investment that I have been very much enjoying. Yes. It's very hard to find. I feel like it depends on your body. Like for me, I'm like, ugh, anything that has like fleece and is heavy, I don't want. It's like a very, once you get deep into sweatpants, it can, it's a real journey. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you streaming on TV? I just finished Outer Banks. Oh, nice. Which I'd highly recommend. And I just started the last season of Top Chef. Oh, perfect. And what are you most looking forward to this summer? Seeing my family. I'm uh, going to go visit my dad this week, actually. Oh, perfect. Where? He's in Florida. So he's not exactly thrilled about me coming, but we'll social distance. And please be careful. Um, yeah. And what's your favorite ingredient to work with right now? Say right now, probably tomatoes, just because I'm growing a ton and there's nothing better in the summer than like tomato mozzarella. And what's the first thing you do when you wake up every day? I've been really good every morning that I wake up and I have a bunch of supplements that I was never a supplement person. Well, I have a theory, which is that supplements also take up a, I was like, if everyone took all the supplements you're supposed to, no one would be able to like leave their house to go to work because you'd just be taking supplements all day. So yes, I could really see how now that you have, you know, no one's rushing in and out and 
running 10 minutes late to get somewhere. So are there any in particular that you're really enjoying? So I'm taking a vitamin D supplement, which they're showing like a huge correlation between vitamin D deficiency and COVID. So I'm taking 10,000 milligrams of vitamin D. Vitamin C um, and a probiotic. Those are my like go-tos and then I'll pulse in a couple of others. And this isn't a rapid fire question, but I am dying to know cauliflower oatmeal. Yes, it's amazing if you haven't tried. I was going to say, walk me through it. Tell me everything. How long did it take for you guys to come up with it? Like what is, I just want to know everything about it. I'm so intrigued. So this was actually one of our fastest innovations. I was actually going um, to our R&D test kitchen and we were working on our collagen oatmeal cups. And then like two nights before the trip, it hit me when I was laying in bed. I was like, God, cauliflower is being used for everything. Why could it not be substituted as an oatmeal? And so I went on Amazon and I bought freeze-dried cauliflower and had it shipped to my hotel room. And we had our morning session to work on the collagen product and had about, I don't know, 40 minutes left in the session. And I took out my little (laughs) bag of freeze-dried cauliflower and I was like, hey guys, I have this idea. Can we just see what happens? And we were trying to get these samples together um, to send in for a Whole Foods review. And so sure enough, literally in 40 minutes, we mixed together the freeze-dried diced cauliflower and chia seeds and coconut flakes and all looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, this totally works and this mimics the mouthfeel texture of an oatmeal. And so took the two, made two cups and sent them off to Whole Foods um, the next day and we got the products into Whole Foods. That's amazing. And so Whole Foods will test everything before they put it on their shelves. Yeah, Ooh, for sure. This is brand new information. Okay, great. Ah, you I gotta like try them. They're awesome. I'm, I'm going to try them. I think you guys ship to Canada. Are you selling, do you sell in Canada? We, so we sell one store in Toronto that is like somehow able to get the products from our distributor. Um, but unfortunately we don't directly ship. So you can get it on Vitacost. Okay. We'll ship to Canada and they have our full portfolio of products. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that cauliflower oatmeal. Well, um, thank you so much. That's it for our show. If you have any follow-up questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch um, by our Instagram handle at Covator. And if you don't already, please follow Purely Elizabeth on all of their channels. And I'm sure they'd be thrilled to have, you know, you guys submit your questions and I know they'd love to hear from you. Once again, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Checking In With on Apple Podcasts. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next Monday for our newest episode. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or iTunes and make sure to leave a rating and a review. We look forward to seeing you all next week and thank you again for listening.